Hello, and welcome to Scout Talk. My name is Brett Eljets, and I'm the district executive uh, in the Sioux Council. This is our very first episode of Scout Talk, and we'll be catching up with our scout executive, Tim Bouchard, at a fireside chat held in Sioux Falls. I hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Thank you all for, for being here. Um, many of you have actually already met. I grew up in the scouting program in Flint, Michigan, in Troop 206, sponsored by St. Robert's Catholic Church, which was interesting for me because I'm not Catholic. So uh, it was uh, challenging the way the troop ran and, and me being the outsider, but uh, it was a great experience for me. I actually just talked to many of the people that uh, I grew up in the troop with. We get together about once a month via Zoom and uh, we share a frosty beverage and, and, and we all catch up. So I uh, actually just had that call uh, on Monday night and it was a good time. Um, went to school, took a job working for my college fraternity uh, right out of college, entertaining career. Uh, but not always uh, the most positive uh, environment. And, and what I mean by that is, so, you know, that was obviously interesting. And then I had an opportunity to uh, network with alumni and, and volunteers from across uh, the organization. And my college fraternity, uh, you know, obviously during the summer, you know, you kind of uh, get other jobs because you're just not really busy during the summer. You're kind of prepping for the fall, planning your travel schedule. And so I had a, like a mobile marketing job where I got to go to NASCAR races on the weekend and owned the company, so he would hire a lot of us. And um, so I, I started, I was like, well, maybe I'll go into this for a living. And then in the summer of 2004, uh, I got a phone call uh, that there was a new scout executive in the council that I grew up in as a kid. Uh, but they were looking for somebody to run summer camp, um, and they called me, and he convinced me to just come back and do it for the summer. Um, after the summer was over, uh, the scout executive offered me a full-time job as a district executive where I got to live at camp, not the one I was running, but live at another one. And, you know, that's a challenge. that was a challenge for me uh, because they all still remembered me as little Timmy, and I'm supposed to be the one that is guiding, mentoring, and, and help them, and they were the ones that were just doing that for me. After, after some conversations, I decided that I would do it, and my main focus was I didn't want to be a district executive. Um, I wanted to be a camp and program guy and just run camp, and uh, there's not a lot of uh, opportunity for growth uh, in that, so I realized that I had to be a successful district executive to be able to be successful at camp. The other thing is, is I had to recruit, train, empower, and inspire volunteers because I had to have my job done before I went to summer camp because I was at summer camp all summer. So what's the first thing a professional does in the fall? Recruitment. And what else happens in the fall? Popcorn. So I had to have all my units signed up for popcorn I had to have all my school nights already done, and then I had to have my FOS goal done. And, you know, normally we have till June 30th to hit our goals as professionals. Well, if I have to be at camp Memorial Day weekend, and I'm going to be there till Labor Day weekend, I had to hit my goal before I left, otherwise it's not going to get done. 
you know, I started talking to volunteers and I started talking to other professionals to find out, you know, what it took to be successful. And, you know, everybody told me something different. But the one thing I learned is we go away 90 days into the job. We go away to a training. Um, back in the day, um, it was called PDL1, which was Professional Development Level 1. Um, and then you have to go to three of them before you're a uh, professional. You get certified, commissioned after the first one, but then you're actually, you do your career evaluation and other ones after you complete your third one. You're not supposed to get promoted till after your third one. And it's a two-week training. So they send you to Dallas for two weeks, and you're literally in class from 7 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night every day except for the Sunday in between the course. You're only in class till noon that day, and then they let you go have fun in Dallas. When I came back, th they give us this big red manual, and it's called the District Operations Manual. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to share this stuff with my district chair and district commissioner. And so I walked in, and I said, this is what they told me at the national office. And <laughs> my council or my district commissioner goes, yeah, that's the peaches and cream district, and this isn't it. And I was like, okay. And, but then I gave him the binder, and I said, just read through it. And then he came back two weeks later, and he was just fired up and on fire. He had job descriptions for everybody on the district committee, you know, and I said, these were my goals for the next 90 days, and, you know, we just laid it all out, and then I was like, wow, and then the district committee grew, people that remembered me, you know, started to come back, and probably because of that experience, I, I am where I am today. I had an opportunity to go to West Palm Beach, Florida, and serve as the camp director and program director for that council. Uh, then was promoted to Indianapolis, Indiana uh, as the training director, which was probably one of the most rewarding jobs in the professional career that I've had. I literally uh, was the person that ran Woodbadge, NYLT, uh, University of Scouting, powwow, adult leader basic trainings. We created on-demand training. If you as a brand new scout volunteer or you as a brand new committee chair walked into the office and said, I don't know what to do. There was a volunteer at the front desk. He knew where all the, he or she knew where all the training manuals were. Um, all, everything was ready to go. And you could get on-demand training basically anytime you wanted it. And that was a, that was a neat opportunity. Um, after that, I became a field director in Indianapolis and um, managed uh, over 50% of the council's membership uh, in finance. Uh, we had 23,000 youth uh, in my service territory, um, which is actually bigger than the whole council now. After that, uh, I was promoted to Rapid City. I uh, had an opportunity to serve out there for four and a half years. Um, great experience. They had a lot of uh, opportunities there. Probably one of my biggest regrets in my career is I probably left there one year too soon. Probably should have stayed one more year. Um, I don't think they uh, would have went back into debt if I could have just stayed one more year. Um, and then uh, went to the national office. My job was to raise $19 million uh, for the World Scout Jamboree, uh, doing all their corporate sponsorships and programs, and just realized as everything was happening in the Boy Scouts of America, 
the best place to be is in a local council. Um, and, and that's where the rubber meets the road. My boss that hired me in Flint, Michigan, uh, was the CEO in Chicago. Um, and he hired me as his chief operating officer and deputy scout executive, oversaw a, a team of about 55 staff members, uh, full part-time support camp rangers. We had a $12 million operating budget. Basically, my job was to grow membership, to grow finance, and, and handle all the books uh, and customer service, and then the camping operations. Our camps, one of our camps was 10,000 acres, had between six and 900 kids a week, uh, which is more than we'll have uh, the entire summer at Lewis and Clark. And this place was always kind of a, a place that I wanted to come. Um, it's, it's always been on my radar after serving in the Black Hills. I initially thought when I took the job in the Black Hills uh, that I might have an opportunity to have this job a, a little sooner, but I'm here now, I'm excited. Uh, I feel like my personality, um, the person that I am, uh, blends really well with the values uh, of the people here. Uh, I feel like I fit in uh, better here than I have in other places that I worked. I've interviewed to be the scout executive of four Boy Scout councils. I'm 2-0 and in the state of South Dakota, and I'm 0-2 outside. So obviously I think uh, I am truly meant to be here. This organization meant so much to me, and, and I feel that it's my job to make sure that this organization continues uh, and continues to change and, and develop. So um, that's a little bit about me. My vision. I, obviously, I think the greatest uh, thing, and, and this is actually going to tie in uh, to, to my vision um, as well as a couple of these others, but the hot topic that we need to fix this year uh, and, and my first vision, and everybody has a goal um, that is growing volunteerism and their nominating committee and getting more people involved. I see the same 20 people uh, doing a lot of the work in all of our districts. This district is one of the biggest districts on the district committee and you don't even have a district chair. And then I've got other districts that only have four people on their district committee. Um, we're not gonna grow uh, as an organization if we don't recruit more volunteers to our ranks. Um, and we as scouting professionals don't support you to be successful. Um, and that's our job as professionals is to recruit, train, and inspire. And I know there are a lot of outside factors that are affecting that right now. Um, and there's just a lot of things happening that affect that. But at the end of the day, the, the top topic that we need to correct and fix right now is more people volunteering. Um, because with more people volunteering, all of you can have more fun in the program uh, because you're not having to do so much. My, my other vision for the council is, um, as an organization, we need to be more visible in the community and the communities that we serve. Um, and we need to tell the, the positive stories of scouting uh, and, and be out there more. Um, all of our staff members are joining service clubs uh, for that exact same reason. Um, and at the end of the day, that will help with membership, that will help with new units, 
uh, and that will help us grow and, and stabilize our funding. Um, down here, somebody asked me what was going really well here. Um, in general, uh, the things that have been going well here is uh, Friends of Scouting uh, is, is fairly well off here. Um, I think when I got here, there was already like $180,000 raised going into January. Um, just to give you an idea, that's more than we had raised in Chicago through the month of February. So, you know, that in, in hindsight, uh, that's pretty good. Um, I think the popcorn sale here is phenomenal. Um, Linda is a beast um, at popcorn, and, and she's absolutely amazing. Uh, don't tell her I said she was a beast. Turn oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, don't say amazing either. She doesn't like that. Um, I learned that very quickly. Um, so, you know, that... Those are some things that I do think are going really well. Um, I think we have a lot of really good units. Um, I think there's a lot of, of great things happening in the unit levels uh, with innovation. Uh, some of the stronger units in our council are actually here right now. Um, you know, and, and a lot of our units have really nice bank accounts. So they have the ability to offer programs and, and make it affordable for people um, you know, there's a couple of units up north that have between sixty and eighty thousand dollars in their bank accounts. You know, and sometimes during the day, that's that's more than the council has in our bank account. Um, you know, so obviously some of our units are, are doing really well, and they're they're able to provide programs that uh, will sustain themselves. Um, I think the board here has uh, is extremely involved. Um, Matter of fact, that sometimes they're moving a little too fast for me. I can't keep up with all of these projects. They're, they're engaged. Uh, they ask a lot of great questions. Um, and, and that's a breath of fresh air, I'll tell you. Um, because some places, it's like pulling teeth uh, to be able to, to get volunteers. I'll now turn it around and say some of the things that aren't doing so well. Um, in, in my opinion, we've gotten complacent at doing a lot of the same things the same way uh, for so many years and maybe not upgrading our technology uh, and our systems. For a council our size, I think our newsletter should be uh, a little better. Um, I think the technology that we use, uh, you know, whether we switch to a constant contact or whatever, I think we can do a better job of improving the communication that we have uh, as a council. I think our website and our IT infrastructure needs some upgrading, especially Tintaroo. Um, I, I think the system is a little outdated um, and we can't do everything that we need to do. Um, perfect example is Sioux Training Academy. There are some other softwares out there that do things that would have made it a little easier for people. Like, it will print class rosters with maps, and it will print door signs saying what classes are offered in what times, and nobody has to create it. Um, it will do blue cards for you um, at the click of a couple buttons. Um, even Brett got excited about me talking about the program, and he went and researched it. Um, and then an employee that left here recently to go to another council 
he heard me talking about it. And I've gotten like five or six texts from him saying, oh, wow, this system is great. And then he's asked me a couple things on how to use it. But, um, you know, that is, that is an opportunity. Um, the other thing that's a challenge is all of our systems don't talk to each other. Um, and there are things that we can do that will make that happen. So, for example, for me to do my job at camp and run the trading post, I literally have to check out of the register. I have to then forward an email to myself. I then have to bring the cash and the credit card receipts with me to the office. Then I have to print off the email, attach the cash, the checks, the credit cards, so that somebody can then turn around and input it into the computer in here. Whereas if we were to switch to another system, it would talk to the computers here and then also talk um, to our financial software so somebody doesn't have to re-enter it, they just have to upload it. So, and then if we can free up some of those tasks, it allows our office staff to do other things that we can better serve volunteers. So some of our infrastructure uh, needs to be upgraded and, and changed. You know, the other thing that when you, when you have leadership that's been in place for a while, um, sometimes you don't dig down as far as you should. And so there's been some things that probably aren't fully at the BSA standards. We've just been getting by. Um, and so changing some of those philosophies and, and standards um, ha has been one of those things that I've been focusing on. For example, the audit here started in February. As of today, the audit is still not over. So, um, you know, obviously, there are some systems and policies that need to change there. But I will tell you, it's better than a previous council in this state that I worked at when I got there. So um, things are, are going pretty good uh, on that front now. Um, talking about improvements, um, obviously our parking lot uh, <laughs> looks uh, very interesting right now. Um, so that's an improvement that's gonna be happening uh, probably sometime this fall. Uh, I can't remember who asked that question. Was that you? Okay. Um, so parking lot improvement is getting ready to happen. Um, as you can see, sometime this week, somebody's going to be coming in to finish the ceiling tiles and this last section in the entire building that needs to be connected. I think this is the last section that needs to be connected. Uh, there's one heater missing. And then... Um, you won't see this, but then the boiler system will be torn out. Additionally, uh, we are building a, a new office right outside. Um, we're getting ready to do some more heating and cooling upgrades in all the uh, entryways to the building. Um, and then sometime this fall, uh, we will be starting a design build process. Um, is anyone that doesn't understand what a design build is? Basically, we have a vision of what we want in the back. We'll bring out contractors. We'll tell them that this is the budget we want to stay within. And then they will tell us, this is what you'll have to do to stay within that budget. And we'll add the 
the urban or the urban adventure center to the back of the warehouse over there. Um, also with a outdoor amphitheater and fire pit. Um, the indoor climbing wall is going to be a little different than was originally pitched. Um, we're also going to have some laser uh, archery rifle uh, shotgun and pistol ranges, a couple other simulators, um, a uh, rotating rock wall, um, and some other features in that building uh, for units to be able to rent, uh, come into town, um, have some showers back there so you can actually shower uh, when you spend the weekend here, because I know some of you have stayed in the building and haven't been able to shower. Um, and then from a building standpoint, uh, we're also in the process of fixing some of the handicap accessibility to the building uh, as well. Uh, so those are some of the building upgrades that are going to be happening. Um, within the next two weeks, there's going to be some uh, construction happening at Ayataka. We're going to cut down some of the trees on the entry road uh, and then widen the road so it can have two-way traffic in and out. Um, and that process uh, was approved by the board at the last uh, meeting, the last meeting of you on the board. Yep, so thank you for voting on that. Uh, we are also uh, adding <coughs> fiber optics to uh, Ayataka. Um, I anticipate that project uh, being done by the end of next month, probably. Um, and then the next big project there will be building a storm shelter with a, uh, another lodge on top so that more than one unit can rent Ayataka in the winter uh, and utilize that sledding hill uh, a little more. Um, and then after that project is done, the goal is to the current lodge to actually add real water to the building uh, as well as real bathrooms instead of the pit latrines outside. So those would be the, the goals uh, for Ayataka. And then in two weeks, myself and the board will be walking around Ayataka and figuring out the next steps to improve Ayataka. Um, on a property we still own, Shatek, um, because that has not sold yet, um, no improvements happening there. Uh, but the surveyors are supposed to put these little markers down to redraw the lines. Uh, I just signed seven quit, quit, claim, quit claim deeds uh, to give away a percentage of acreage uh, so that we can finally sell that property. Um, so that would be about another $1.8 million coming into our capital improvements fund. Um, and I'll talk about some of that money here in a bit. And then at Lewis and Clark, as you have been there uh, in the last couple of weeks, there's a ton happening there right now. Um, matter of fact, probably too much happening right now. Um, the trading post has been relocated to the administration building. Um, we just received $100,000 to start remodeling the chapel. Uh, that will happen this fall. Um, it will be an open air look, and then we're going to take down a couple trees, uh, plant new trees, um, 
so that you can look out the chapel and, and see the Missouri River and uh, Lake Lewis and Clark. Um, and then upgrading the benches there. Um, and that, that is a gift from the South Dakota Community Foundation and uh, First Dakota National Bank. Um, all of the outdoor classrooms are almost done. Uh, they were pouring concrete today at the Davy Jones building and at one of the pavilions down by the new uh, waterfront. Then the next projects that will happen is all the storm shelters that have been built in the last couple years. Uh, we will be putting pavilions on top of those um, to help preserve them and prevent mold uh, from sitting on the roofs. Uh, and then it will give us another place to um, offer program. And then in late fall, early next year, we'll begin the construction of a brand new health lodge and administration building uh, at Lewis and Clark. So we just got the board to approve the design. Um, and so now we're moving into the next phase. Um, that'd be about a $750,000 construction project. Um, and then the next project that will happen, hopefully before camp starts next year, is the current health lodge will be converted into a Scoutmaster's Lounge and Tech Center so that if you still had to work, uh, you had the ability to do that. Um, and we'll upgrade the infrastructure there. Um, we're in the process of finishing the remodel of all the staff cabins. Um, we've put flooring in them. And the goal is, is that um, those will be rented more in the off season. Um, and I think they look pretty good. Um, and then we'll be putting Ducks Unlimited photos and Norman Rockwell's in them just to kind of make them a little more uh, classy. All right. Um, so that's, that's some of the improvements that are happening. Um, an improvement that I want to make, um, and I don't have the money for it yet, but m my vision would be the next place we need to invest money at Lewis and Clark is in our campsites. If I can sit in a bathroom and see the person next to me um, with the way we're changing and need to be more inclusive, um, this probably isn't the best place for people to enjoy themselves. So, but it is very tough to convince somebody to put their name on a latrine or a bathroom. <laughs> so we are going, I'm going to the Bouchard. No, that's not <laughs> happening. So, so I think we need to invest in our campsites and that's where I would like to see us and invest uh, more money to, to improve those um, so that people can enjoy themselves when they're at camp. And from a health and safety standpoint, uh, I, I think that that's where we need to invest some money. You know, that is probably the next camp improvement that, that I think uh, needs to happen. Um, I'll talk about some other camp improvements to program that I think need to happen as well. I'm going to go to listening. You know, that's a lot about what this meeting is about, is, is listening to you and, and hearing some of your ideas. And, and I think that's, that's very important, and that's a big part of my job. And we're going to be doing some listening sessions at camp all summer long to, to hear what people think and what we can do to improve and, and better ourselves. Inclusion and camaraderie. I'll be the first person to, you know, 
tell anybody here, I'm, I'm happy to come to your house for dinner. Um, as I already said, I cook more here than uh, I do at my own house. Or meet you, uh, you know, at a bar after work for a couple drinks and, uh, and have conversation. Um, maybe it's COVID. Um, maybe it's just the way things have been here. It's, it's been, I know Brett and I have went and had drinks and Mike and I have had drinks after work, but um, I don't know that it's a culture that's been ingrained here. Um, and, and I think that that's something that needs to change. Um, and I think we need to do more things as adults uh, in the program that are fun for us as well. Um, and I don't know that we have a lot of that, you know. So, for example, at Lewis and Clark, we have no adult leader programming. There's no training opportunities. There's what, what is an adult supposed to do when they come to camp? And so, obviously, I, th I think over time some of that culture has gone away, and, and I think we need to uh, bring it back. I think there are, I think there are people here that also – um, need to change their mindset and philosophy. Um, girls are here to stay. It's not going away. We're a family program. And of all the Boy Scout councils I've been in, I hear the most negativity about it here. And how are we going to grow and attract and retain people if we're talking negatively about it? And the reason the Boy Scouts made this shift is because they felt that families wanted it and need it, and people could have an opportunity to, um, as a family, make a decision on which programs were best for them. And so I think as an organization, we need to spend more time about it. I think we need to talk about it. Um, I think we need to listen to the young girls in our program, the women that are extremely involved in this program. Um, and then I need to model that way too and diversify my field team to meet the needs of the people that we're trying to recruit and join the program too. The camaraderie here though, um, that, that's been tough. It's, it's different than I'm used to. Um, I'm used to having Thanksgiving meals with my staff that don't have a place to go or having somebody else host that or doing Easter in the basement. And um, tho those kind of things are, are gonna take a while to, to change. The kicking the stones meetings or, you know, going to the crooked pint after these meetings, it doesn't really happen. I haven't seen that here. And that's a little different. And for somebody like you that's brand new, sometimes that's where you're going to get the best ideas, advice, and information, um, especially after a couple beers or <laughs> Diet Cokes or whatever you prefer. But... We need more of those. And, and I'd like to see some year-round, uh, you know, adult leader programming. Um, I really, it was really tough for me this year to have, to not have a silver beaver recognition dinner to recognize our volunteers that got the silver beaver. I was told that they happen in the districts, they happen where the person wants. Well, you really don't create camaraderie as a council doing it like this. I don't know that there's enough gatherings where we all get together and, and recognize each other either. But I've also been told not to waste my time because no matter how hard I try, it's not going to work. Some mindsets and a need to change there too. So, um,
But if you have ideas that you think will help uh, with that and my misspelling of camaraderie, um, I, I would be happy to um, listen to those ideas here in a little bit. I think I covered working well. Um, mentorship, could have put you on the spot here and I'm sorry. And it's not intentional. Um, mentorship in this district falls under him. And in order to do that, we need to have more unit serving commissioners to be able to help somebody like you as a new leader. Um, the Boy Scouts of America says for every three units, you should have one commissioner that visits that unit at least once a month to help them. When was the last time you saw a volunteer other than your unit at your troop meeting? So, you know, to, to grow that mentorship, that, that's what we need. We need unit commissioners, people that are experienced in scouting to be able to help and, and maintain. And that goes back to growing our units. Um, it also goes back to training as well. Um, all right, what's the heart of our program? Why are we all here? Youth. So in a Cub Scout pack, who's the closest person to working with youth? The den leader. And that is an R. All right. And in a troop, assistant scoutmaster. Now, in our program, who are the feet? The people running around behind the scenes that the kids don't necessarily see or know what they do. Member committees. You know, this is your treasurer, your advancement chair, your outdoor chair, whatever those positions are that you have on your committee or in your Cub Scout pack, right? So who is the mouth of a Cub Scout pack? This is the person that stands up and makes a fool of themselves, Cub Master. This person is the morale of the unit and then the Scout Master, right? They're the ones talking to the kids. They say the thing at the end of the meeting, you know, this is a postage stamp and if you follow the scout oath and law and you lick that stamp, these things are going to stick, you know, those, those kind of things. Who's the eyes and ears of the troop and the pack? Committee chair is the eyes and ears of the unit. That person makes sure that the unit is following the rules and policies of their chartered organization, the rules and policies of the Boy Scouts of America, making sure that all the paperwork is right, making sure the financial records are right. This is the brain of the unit. And who is the brain of the unit? We wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this brain. So the chartered organization, the committee chair, is also appointed by the chartered organization. As an, or as an organization, we wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the chartered organization. The chartered organization rep is the liaison between the chartered organization and the unit. This is the person that you go to to um, get them to approve your adult leaders, okay? This person is not, this is the person that appoints the committee chair. The committee chair is not voted on by the committee. It needs to be appointed by the chartered organization. The committee chair appoints the scoutmaster and the cubmaster if the process works right, okay? Now, the reason 
I bring this up is over time, some of these things get lost. And that mentorship is important because these people move on and we do a horrible job at succession planning. And if we improve our succession planning, we will... So the mentorship, um, in order for that to work right, we need to start getting our units to work right so, and have better training and, and opportunities to, to provide more mentorship. Um, as much as I love that we have Zoom and all this technology, I've, I feel that it's hurting the most important thing, and that's the conversations and, and the things that happen here. I, I learn by doing. I learn by making mistakes, and I think many other people learn that way too, and we miss those opportunities. Um, and I think roundtables are a great place for mentorship too, and I think roundtables have uh, gotten stale um, over time, and I think we, as we need to spend a little more money to start making these things a little better. Swimming pool. Since I've been here, I've heard that people don't go to Lewis and Clark because we don't have a swimming pool. It's a horrible lake to swim in. Uh, it's a wonderful lake to look at. Um, the views are phenomenal. Um, problem is, is swimming pools, swimming pools are money pits. And I remember being in West Palm Beach and I was spending $3,000 a month on chlorine for the pool at camp. Um, now, West Palm Beach, that pool was used a lot, right? Um, but still, I was spending $3,000 a month on chlorine. Um, I do think that it needs to happen. How many people agree that we probably need a swimming pool? There's quite a few people that agree. I think it needs to happen. The only way it's going to happen is if we increase attendance at Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark has had seven years decline in camp attendance and has lost money for the last five years. Last year to the tune of about $58,000. That's summer camp operations. That's not including year-round operations. Um, we're doing everything in our power to make that not happen this year. Um, but I'm pretty confident it's still going to happen. Between youth and adults combined Boy Scout camp, we only have 405 people coming to camp this summer. That doesn't include Weeblow's camp, which is only like 54. Um, I'm confident that we can grow attendance. I feel that it needs to happen. I know that I can get money for it to happen. But we're not in a place where we would be able to financially sustain that swimming pool in our current attendance. So, and as Mark knows, we've had this conversation on our board. Um, numerous times since I've been here, and it gets heated every time. And we all agree that it needs to happen. We all agree that we don't want to do it, right? But I think it does need to happen, and we need that competitive advantage to units around us that don't have it. From a program standpoint, I feel we have lost our niche as to what our niche as a camp is at Lewis and Clark. I have not been to a Boy Scout camp in the United States that has a waterfront like we have. We have probably one of the greatest assets of any Boy Scout camp in the country, but yet we don't offer sailing. 
We don't offer motorboating and water skiing and um, all these things that Mini Points offers and some of these other camps offer. And if we were to put a focus and, <coughs> you know, buy a couple pontoon boats, buy a couple speed boats, pontoon boats so we can take donors out onto the water and, and see it or take the adult leaders out fishing um, and teach kids how to drive those before they get into a speedboat. Um, teach them how to water ski on a pontoon boat before they get into a speedboat. Um, you know, those, those things will help bring people to camp and give us a competitive advantage of, of our closest neighbors. I am in the process of starting a sailing committee. We're gonna look at even getting some sailboats. And it was crazy, once I started having conversations, I've actually had a guy that said, hey, I'm gonna donate three sailboats to you, and one of them is a liveaboard, where people can live on it. So um, are we gonna get it up and running by next year? I hope so. Um, I, I think we need to relook at Mr. Hab. I think we lost what makes that program so successful. You know, we should be ending at the state park in Nebraska and shooting black powder and going horseback riding and doing all those things that we used to do because no other camp around here offers that. And I know that our units probably don't care about that as much, but to attract and bring in more money to be spent in this council, um, just increasing camp attendance from 405 to 605 kids or adults coming to camp, that's another $138,000 to the bottom line of camps. So if we can just get to 600, we're, we're at a point where our camp is profitable and we're making money. And if we can get to 800 or 900, that's another 180 to $190,000. And this council is balancing the budget every year to the tune of between four and $10,000. So imagine what we'd do if we had another $150,000, $300,000 into our operating budget. And that small little council on the other side of the state, you know, with only 35 units and 400 kids, they have $500,000 in summer camp revenue coming in this summer. How much do you think we have right now? $100,000. That's how much money's coming into camp this summer and you have $50,000 in camp salaries, probably $30,000, $40,000 in food, that doesn't give us a lot of money to play with. And both of you, all of you have seen the trading post. There's $35,000 in inventory in that trading post before I even opened the door, which has to go, right? So we need to look at the, the program. And so here's my plea to all of you as unit leaders. Normally, I would tell you, I don't care where your unit goes camping as long as kids are going camping. I would ask that next year that you sit down with your unit leaders and your kids and explain to them the importance of staying local the next two years. And the reason I say that is we're putting millions and millions of dollars in improvements into our properties and our own units aren't even supporting it. And when other people see that, they don't wanna come here either. And we need to make this a destination, and we say it's an epic destination, but yet nobody wants to come to camp. And have things 
maybe happened or steamed that people have been upset about? Probably. But if for the next two years, every unit in our council comes to Lewis and Clark and supports the camp, we can turn around the council budget and the camp operation, and that gives us enough time to rebuild that reputation to bring in units from outside of our council territory to financially sustain it. And the best way for us as a council to bring in some more camaraderie inclusion is to make ourselves successful here as well. And that's the only way we're gonna grow our camp and that's the only way we're gonna make other improvements in the county. Thanks for joining us for our first episode of Scout Talk. If you have any questions or if you have suggestions for future podcast episode, please click the link in our podcast and we'd be happy to hear from you. If there's anything we can do to help, please let us know. Thank you and we will see you next time on Scout Talk.